We are excited to invite you guys to join us for a six-week online mentorship with Dr. Melody called Double Honor. The focus is going to be on uprooting the cycle of shame, fear, and control in your life. You can find out all the information and sign up today at givinglight.org slash classes. Hi, I'm Melody Hilton. And I'm Reverend Joel Hilton. (laughs) Now what do I say? I was going to, this maybe be very offensive to some listeners, but years ago we had to choose new email addresses and um, Pastor Joel over here, he goes, ask pastor at givinglight.org as associate pastor. And, oh, uh, and I one, said that. Yes, you did. And one of our uh, coworkers at the time goes, I am not doing that. <laughs> and so you went with the Rev. And oh, so the Rev said, instead of ass yeah, pastor? <laughs> yeah, it's a little more appropriate. But um, I'm Pastor Katie Stansfield. <laughs> We are here with another episode of Life Exchange. That never Um, happened. That never happened. Don't believe it. Oh. What happened? It's not your email address today. No. (laughs) All right. Well, we are here with more questions from our awesome listeners. Um, And today doesn't really have a theme. Uh, We're going to be jumping around a little bit, but um, they're good. They're good questions. So you ready to get to number one? We are. All right. Or I am, at least. Yep. <laughs> okay, the first question is, people say that we need encounters with God. What does this mean and what does it look like? I think this is a really good question. Actually, I love this question. You like this yes, one? Yes, I do. I really do. Uh, because sometimes I, I see that some people believe an encounter is this big, spectacular, open vision. Yeah. And it can be. I've had some major, spectacular moments in my life. Uh, you know, one was... It was like three days that I couldn't do anything for myself. And I, I was just... You were incapacitated. I was totally incapacitated, you know, under the presence and the power of God for, for three days. Uh, and um, so those are like spectacular moments. Uh, and so well, let I'm me not- ask a question about that. And because it's kind of going to get into my point about that that encounters the fruits of those should be transformation. So after that point where God kind of wrecked your... (laughs) And you remember that. You were a teenager. Yeah, I do remember that. Like, what was the fruit of that? Like, what change or transformation or what revelation came from that? Um, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I really don't know. I do... I well, am thoroughly. Well, you're not helping my point. <laughs> so can you just make I, I up was, something? No. I was thoroughly convinced um, at that moment that God was really moving in my life, but I mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily consciously aware of all that He was. And doing. was that the time that you were kind of getting revelations on shame in yeah. your life? So as well? I think that God was doing a work inside of me that I cognitively did not fully understand. Uh, and I was a very driven person, very in control of my life, uh, very perfectionistic. Well, do you, know? you remember the story like when God, when you were kind of like just under his presence, what did I do as a young <laughs> child to test to see if it was the Lord? Yeah, we were, we were in the kitchen and Joel, Joel said, hmm, 
I need to know if this is God or not. So he got a toenail clippers and started clipping his toenails in the kitchen and they're flying throughout the kitchen and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at him with loving eyes and I say, I love you. He goes, this has to be God. <laughs> yeah, if you know uh, my mom, that would that would have not been her natural response. No, no, no. It would be, yeah. And so I believe even at that time, um, God was getting me out of the way. Yeah. And I I was, because I could not physically, I couldn't, I, Stephen had to take me to the bathroom. I mean, I couldn't, it was, it was just crazy. I was incapacitated. Um, and like waves of his presence would be so rolling over me that it was almost too, so overwhelming. I didn't know what to do with it. So I, I think I lost control and that's, was one thing God was doing. Melody, we got to get you out of control so you can let me be in control. And um, so I I really don't know any big profound thing or this big revelation. Well, that sounded like a pretty profound thing. Well, it probably, yeah, I guess it was. Uh, to, to surrender your, your control to him? Yeah, because I had no other choice. Yeah. That. So I guess that was kind of a Papa just saying, okay, Melody, I got to take control here because mm, yeah. you're, you're not, uh, you're so consuming a shame, shame. You're not letting me, you know, work on these areas, but those are spectacular moments, you know, and, and I've had quite a few of those, but I think the, I think most encounters for me personally, and I believe for the majority of the body of Christ, unless somebody is a very strong prophetic voice and they have visions all the time and those type of things. But for the average believer, I think most of our encounters are that still small voice type thing, like the light bulb of revelation when you're reading the word of God or being very, very aware of his presence as you're worshiping him or even in a worship service where you just sense the anointing of God and, and, you know, being showered with his love. Those are encounters. They, they shift the way we think. They minister peace to us when we're in turmoil. Those are just powerful moments. You know, maybe just praying and positioning ourselves and, and God just showing up and, and speaking uh, peace to our heart. I mean, those are all beautiful encounters. I think for me, like that word encounter, the way I would probably define it is, I know that it's God. Yeah, that, that's good, like, Katie. Whether it's I'm reading the word and it was dry and something just leaps off the page. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay, I know that was God. Or if mm-hmm. I'm in a worship, um, a moment of worship and, you know, and and I just feel his presence, uh, I know that's God. Um, and, I, you know, I think of, I always think of this scripture. I don't know the reference. It's in Job. Um, but he says, before my eyes had seen, but now I know. Before Mm. my ears had heard of you, but now I know. Mm. And so I think that moment of encounter is that moment of knowing. It's like, I know, I, I, I believe fully in my heart that God exists, that he's real, that, you know, that, um, I have my salvation through him, that I'm in a relationship with him. But in those moments, it's like, I know, like, I, Mm -hmm. I know that I know that I know that I know that, that this is God. That's Mm -hmm. kind of the way I would define it. I think that's a beautiful way of defining it. You know, I think, you know, let's say I stand up and I preach or I'm in a corporate boardroom and I recognize, 
okay, the Holy Spirit has just taken over. I recognize that what I just said, what I just did was not Melody. That was the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So I just know. So really, that really is an encounter, you know, via your definition. And I believe that is just so powerfully accurate. And so I think if, if somebody would, you know, as they ask this question, how many times did you know God was involved in your life that you went to say something and wow, those words just flowed out of my mouth when I was talking to them. That's really an encounter where the Holy Spirit is just showing up and it's not us, it's him. And it doesn't have to be goosebumps. Like you might not feel right. You know, I'm I I feel the presence of God, but I know other people that don't have that, and and they might want that. Um, they just haven't. I won't say they they won't ever, but they haven't experienced that. Like you know, you've got goosebumps feeling of the mm-hmm. presence of God. That doesn't mean you're not having an encounter with God. Um, it just comes. It it just looks different. And I think experiencing is a better word than encounter. Could be, yes. Because we can experience God on a lot of different levels. Yes. You know, there's no cookie cutter example of what an encounter with God looks like. I mean, when you look at scripture, yeah, there were the spectacular things like the earth shaking and the wind blowing and Mm -hmm. the light. Mm -hmm. You know, I think of Paul with the light or Saul, the light Mm -hmm. uh, shining, you know, and then his whole world really turned upside down. And then you have ones where these two guys are walking on a road and Jesus shows up and then they later find out, whoa, that was Jesus. We didn't know it (laughs) in the moment, but what weren't our hearts burning when he talked? Yeah. And so they had an encounter with Jesus and they didn't know it until after the fact. Yeah, so true. So there, there's no cookie cutter way to put it, but I would say if if you want to put it in its most basic sense, it's kind of summed up in this scripture. It's in Psalms 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. Yeah. So it's experiencing God on some level. One thing that God's been showing me that 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 he did not come into this world, sh- shed his blood, sacrificed himself so that we could just know him on an informational level. Oh, so true. He, he came to restore relationship and bring us back into connection to reconnect us back to the source of life. So it's to experience, to taste, to encounter his life. Yeah. And so the the Christian life can can't just be boiled down to do you know the information do you know the facts do you know the tenets no we have been given an invitation to experience him on some level yes and that's why I think people encourage say hey you need an encounter with God it's not just knowing something in your head hey when when you only know maybe this is just my opinion if you only know God just on an informational level, someone can talk you yeah. out of that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. when you experience it, no one can tell you. Yeah. There's That's nothing right. that they could say because you've actually experienced mm-hmm. it. If you were sick and almost dying and God raised you up, there would be nothing that could steal that because you've experienced it. You've tasted it. And that is why he came, not just so that we can know him in just 
just a head agreement of of the truth, but to experience the truth in our daily life. And that's the power of other people's testimonies or other people's mm, experiences. Yeah. When they sh- share them, it's almost like memorial markers and just say, well, do you know what grandma experienced? Do you know what this one experienced or that one experienced? It's almost memorial markers of experiences with God. We have them in the word of God, but... Anyone that I know that knows Jesus could tell me stories of encounters. And sometimes I believe we miss the supernatural by looking for the spectacular. Mm -hmm. When we are living a supernatural life because the Spirit of God dwells in our human spirit. Oh my gosh, the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. Jesus is inside of me through the Holy Spirit and that is supernatural. And even before I got saved, I realized now that I had encounters with God moving in my life and I was not even a believer and not having understanding uh, of experiences with God. And I look back and I thought, oh my gosh, my life, I could... tell you stories if you want to hear them. I got them. But if if I could tell you stories where God saved my life, and now I look back and recognize it, it was a move of God. It was an angel unaware, or he put the right person there at the right time that saved my life. And oh my goodness, wow, even before we know him, you know, he exists outside of time. He's already been in our future. He already knew, you know, the decisions that I would make and how I would respond to him. And so really I had encounters with him before I knew he even existed. Mm-hmm. Man, our God is so good. One of the things that encounters really do and experience really do for you uh, is as we see him, we become like him. Yeah. And as we encounter him, we are transformed into his image. Yeah. The fruit of that encounter should draw us into intimacy, should draw us mm-hmm. into connection with him. So that's why I believe people encourage, hey, you need an encounter from the Lord. You need uh, to experience him because as we exp- it solidifies so many things within inside of us. It actually can transform us and change us when we encounter him on a new way or a new, you know, just, and it doesn't have to be big. Like we said, it can be something very simple, but when we know it's God, it has the power to totally transform our lives. Yeah. I love that. And, and when we say, you know, I need an encounter with the Lord, I think um, sometimes we can get it in our head that we need that spectacular thing. But to me, I just think, well, position yourself to be encountered. Mm. If you want an encounter, then position yourself to be encountered. I mean, you don't have to go to an an encounter conference to encounter him. No, you don't. But sometimes (laughs) that's the thought is I have to go to a revival service or I have to go get a prophetic word or I have to do, I have to put on worship music really Mm. loud. Well, just, he says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. So I think if you just position yourself and to be near to him, he is going to encounter you. Um, it might look different every single time, um, but I, I'm just a believer and I have seen it enough times in my life that when I show up, he shows up. Yeah. Um, and it might not be the way I want. Uh, I might, I might not even recognize it at the time. Like you kind of said, the road to Emmaus, uh, you recognize it later on. Um, but when you show up, he'll show up because 
he's never far away. He is God with with us, uh, in us. Um, and he said, I'll send you the Holy Spirit. It's gonna be better that I go away because the Holy Spirit's gonna come and it's gonna be better for you because he is that ever present um, God inside of us. And so if you're looking for an encounter, I'd say you're probably already having them, um, but just position yourself, say, God, I am I am here at the table um, and I trust that you are here too. Um, and you know, just let him minister to you. I think it's in Ephesians. I might not be right, but it, it, the idea of the verse is God has not made it difficult for us to find him. Mm-hmm. And so like like Katie was saying, seek, yeah, knock, ask. Yeah, and I love the end of that. And the door will be opened. Mm-hmm. It's not a, there's no contingency there. It's just, and it will happen. So how much more does your father want to give you good things, right? Yeah. Well, that sounds like, uh, what were you going to say? I was just thinking about you as a father, natural father. Uh, Your kids encounter you every day. And sometimes- Whether they want it or not. True, because you're there, right? You have a relationship with them. You live with them. And um, some of those times it's hugs and loves. And sometimes it's just a a really peaceful place as you guys curl up on the sofa and watch a movie. And other times it might be correction or instruction or an investment that's going to make him better. And that's one thing you said, Katie, whenever we have an encounter with the Lord, we become better. And I think that's really the heart of the father because whatever we experience, he does not invest into us without purpose and without power. So even that three-day encounter I have, whether I understand it all in my head, there was purpose and there was power demonstrated. And so you, as a father, when you encounter your kids, you have a purpose, but you also have the authority or the power uh, to speak or invest into their life when they need course direction or they need instruction in righteousness, those type of things. So encounters aren't just ooey gooey moments, Yeah, you know, isn't just the feel good moments. It's having a relationship with the father who loves us so much, he's ordering our steps. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the light reveals something on the pathway that could be harmful. And sometimes the light reveals, oh my gosh, this is where I'm going, this rocks. And other times it's like, okay, maybe I need to stop and deal with this before I can move forward. And some of my encounters were very much, I only heard the audible voice of the Lord twice in my life, that it was audible. And one of those where I was in such fear uh, the Lord said, stop that now. And yeah. it it was a daddy saying, Melody, yeah. you stop it. Mm-hmm. This is unacceptable. You stop it. And when I heard stop that now, that thing that was driving fear inside of me immediately ceased yeah. because I recognized God just spoke and it had so much power with it, my ability. So he wasn't saying that in a very strong way to harm me there was power released that that fear instantly stopped. Yeah, I mean, did you, when he said that, did you feel punishment or did you feel love? No, the fear was just gone. You knew that it was out of love, he was saying, you need to stop this, it's hurting Uh, you. I believe because of my shame, 
I but I believe that he might have been displeased with me, but as soon as the fear left, it was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> you know, it was yeah. like, thank you, that fear's gone. And I didn't think about this till this moment. Maybe I heard God's voice speaking to the enemy. Maybe. And that's why fear left. And like that thought was gone. It had no more power over me after that. And the thing that I feared literally was dismantled so that even things in the natural immediately changed, which I didn't know until like a day or two later. So now it just hit me. Maybe I heard him speak to the enemy because I didn't know I was consumed with a stronghold of shame and a stronghold of fear at that point in time in my life. Mm -hmm. He might've been speaking to that fear that had been harassing me from the time I was a little girl. I don't know. I'm just getting kind of like a download <laughs> right now. This is pretty awesome. And so, maybe it was both. He was and commanding was that both. and he was also saying, stop submitting to this spirit. Yeah. It has no power over yeah. you. Yeah. But either way, it was better. Yeah. <laughs> and it was good no matter how I perceived it. You know, initially yeah. it was good and I saw that it was good and I was very grateful that that happened. So, yeah. And that that's... Like, I'm excited Revelation. right now. That's just like, <laughs> wow, Lord. You're having an encounter. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> well, do you have any more on this? We're, we have four questions, so we, we got to keep it moving here. We were doing well, and then... <laughs> then, then we were but that's okay. <laughs> Okay. So one good. of them, she got my, revelation. She got revelation. Hey, yep. wait! I just had an encounter yeah. <laughs> in real time. In real time, yeah, that's pretty awesome. What were you saying? I was just saying, you know, I I prepared you guys. We got oh. four questions, <laughs> and you know, right. we're gonna have to go through these quicker. But you know. well, this one, I feel like we talk about this next one a lot, so maybe we will do a breeze over this one, but we will see. Um, but the question is that we talk a lot about controlling our thought life. Are our thoughts that powerful? Are they actually that powerful? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That was my response. We're in agreement. Yes. Okay, let's go Single to the next word question. Sentence. As a man <laughs> thinks in his heart, so is he. So my thoughts literally determine who I am and how I show up. It's a very big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, well, we we can add a little bit I've more, got, but bottom line. I have all kinds of things I could say. We all say yes to that question. Your thoughts are that important. Um, I think God gave us, he gave us a mind, will, and emotions, and he gave us agency over it. Um, and so thoughts are a big deal, um, not just because they determine, you know, the course of our life, but also because he gave us that uh, autonomy to actually choose what we want to do with our life. And so by choosing our thoughts, by being aware of our thoughts, by renewing our minds, that's our, um, that's our choice to follow him. So the whole thing is he gave us a choice if we're going to love him in return. And, um, and our thoughts really help us to do that. Uh, so it, yeah, your thought, your thoughts really matter. <laughs> and every thought ultimately ends in an action. Mm -hmm. So what I think 
I will actually do. And I love this scripture. And I, I could say so many things about thoughts because I talk about this all the time. Yeah. But in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it says, we demolish arguments. That's those things going on in our thoughts, right? We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge or the thoughts of God, right? And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So the word of God is saying you need to take captive. You need to think about what you're thinking mm-hmm. and take captive of those thoughts so you can walk in a fullness of obedience to Christ. So I think that's a pretty big deal to God as yeah. well as it is I mean, I even us. look like the literal structure of our brain is yep. your your actual brain changes based upon the thoughts you exactly. accept or reject. So would God create an actual physical structure um, without it mattering? <laughs> I don't think so. I think he, he actually shows us in our physical body, hey, your thoughts will actually determine your life. Um, and, and I also love the the scripture, a lot of us know is 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound, sound mind. Well, those three right there, um, to me are just so powerful. And um, a sound mind, that actually means in the the roots of those words is, a, is it means self-control. Mm-hmm. And so the more we have control over our thoughts, the more we um, have awareness of what we're allowing in, what we're rejecting, uh, what we're aligning ourselves with, that's actually giving us access to have a sound, controlled uh, mind that that we're able to access power and love um, based upon what we choose to do, the control that we choose to have over our thought life. So... Um, I don't think it's an accident that all of these things are in in this, that they were created this way. Uh, so that must mean that it matters to God. I would say it matters to God because he tells us to love us, love him with all of our mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if we believe lies, then those are areas that we are loving self, others, mm-hmm serving fear, whatever it might be. Actually, Dr. Carolyn Leaf said, this is a great quote. As we think, we change the physical nature of our brain. As we consciously direct our thinking, we can wire out toxic patterns of thinking and replace them with healthy thoughts. Mm -hmm. So if we think about what we're thinking, we can consciously choose to reject those things that are toxic, which would end up in toxic behaviors, Mm -hmm with that which is healthy, so we could actually make decisions out of health, have healthy relationships, have healthy perspective, have a healthy worldview, no matter what's going on in the world, because we're embracing God's thoughts. So it is a pretty big deal. It's pretty powerful. One of my favorite scripture verses on this topic is in 1 Peter, but it's basically commanding us to prepare our minds for action mm. and use self-control. Mm. Like you said, our thoughts will precede our actions. So in Peter, it says, prepare your mind for actions, use self-control. Yeah. And I think if the person who's asking this is is thinking, well, what's one little thought going to hurt? Um, like, you know, is a thought really a big deal? Um, you know, the Bible says, give no place to the devil. And so if if that thought would give a place to the devil, well, he says, don't do it. So uh, we are all absolutely working on this all of the time. Um, And, you know, thoughts slip in 
But when we're aware of it, recognizing that we have the authority and responsibility really as believers to take that captive and to not allow it to stay in our mind, um, that is really, really powerful. And you know, when um, you can't plead the fifth, you can't plead ignorance <laughs> when you're aware of the power that it has. So if I'm having a thought and I know it's not a thought of God and I choose it and I choose to keep thinking it, uh, ruminating on it, then I am, I am quite bluntly, I am choosing to walk in sin in that moment because I have received it. I know that it's not of God and I'm choosing it anyway. So I am walking in sin by doing that. So um, that might sound a little heavy handed, but I think when it comes down to it, it is true. If I, um, if I'm having a thought that is not of God, I am walking in sin. If I'm choosing to, to think on those things. And see sin isn't a God saying you're sinning. No. Sin is something that harms us. Yeah. That's why it's a sin because yeah. it's hurting us. Mm-hmm. And so if you're just focusing over and over and over, meditating on a thought that's destructive, it is literally shaping your neural memory. Mm-hmm. And you could be focused on a lie, on a fantasy, on an untruth, whatever it might be. Untruth and lies are the mm-hmm. same things, aren't they? <laughs> but I'm thinking about uh, as, as I'm saying those things, you know, the fantasy world, just feeding on negative thoughts and perspectives and all these things. When we do that, we are shaping our neural memory to lean in those directions and it will affect what we do. So it it is a very big deal. Well, you kind of said, what's the big deal if it's just a little thought? I thought of that example that probably every kid in the 90s heard at every youth camp or whatever. It's like, oh, we made brownie brownies. Mm-hmm. We only put a little bit of dog poop in it. Does anybody want this? Well, no one wants it, right? I think my dad actually did that in children's <laughs> church. It was We were all getting ready for church and he was out in the yard and we were like, what are you doing? And he was picking up dog crap. Oh. And he, we made brownie batter and he asked us if we wanted it. Did you keep the bowl? I don't remember the rest of the. <laughs> there was probably also one kid. There's always the one kid that's like, I'll eat it. <laughs> I, no children were harmed in the making of this object lesson, but yeah. 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 So thoughts matter. <laughs> yeah, they do. I was thinking, should we put a question in about are thoughts important for something that we need to move quickly through? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I found my answer for uh, that. <laughs> All right, to the next Meaning question. Meaning, let's go to the next question. Oh, I know. <laughs> I was like, I don't know that that, that was. I thought it was going to be short was, because we're like, yes, yes, I think yes. We can talk about this forever and ever. So we're just going to choose to move on. If you have, so that was subtle sarcasm. <laughs> oh, there's nothing subtle direct. about it. <laughs> All right, question number three. How do you deal with a lack of motivation? How do you deal with a lack of motivation? We're, we're receiving your input uh, to the listener because we're still trying to we're figure that out. Yeah. No. I think I am still trying to figure this out in some aspects of my life. <laughs> you know, there's times I just put it off. Yeah. <laughs> like, just not motivated to do it. Well, this this is a topic that I've taught on for years, so I could say so many things about this. And you but are a highly motivated person. I am a highly that. motivated person. Yeah. Yes, yeah. 
Sometimes I get too motivated, and uh, I came I do to it. the realization that I cannot live like my mother does. <laughs> I know, yeah. So, but there's two types of motivation, it, <laughs> really. And I know you're joking. Okay, uh, there's two types of motivation: intrinsic or internal motivation, and extrinsic. Mm -hmm. Now, the fact is, I am internally motivated. I don't need someone to motivate me, yeah. okay? But there are individuals that are not necessarily intrinsically motivated by vision and purpose and passion. You know, maybe a little thing here or there, but, you know, they might like being the couch potato or, yeah. you know, they focus more on uh, being than doing. And so they might need and a little... Say that with contentment. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm saying it with that. That was There's my sarcasm. Wrong with Mary. <laughs> now that was real sarcasm. And that was real sarcasm. And um, and so they need some extrinsic motivation, right? Yeah. You know, maybe kids cleaning their room type thing. Extrinsic motivation. So there are two types, and so we have to recognize uh, if we really want to be motivated, we have to discover, develop, and embrace intrinsic motivation. And honestly, it's very hard to do that if, one, you don't want personal development. Mm -hmm. If you want to grow and you want to advance and you want to honor God with your life, there will be intrinsic motivation to make steps towards that. Uh, if you say you want it, but you really don't care and just want to stay the way you are, you, there won't be intrinsic motivation there. So we have to desire personal development and growth, you know, growing line upon line here a little, there a little, advancing, becoming more and more conformed to the image of Christ. There has to be something inside of us uh, to be motivated. Otherwise, we will not pay the price for something. And of course, we need vision, we need purpose. And, you know, I am a visionary. I am very purpose-driven. So when I see something, whether it came from God or Melody Hilton, because I have pursued my own vision many times, and uh, but uh, when that is there, it motivates me to make a strategy, to develop, to gather, to pioneer to do whatever. So you have to have some purpose. You'd never get married if there wasn't something inside of you that didn't desire marriage. Otherwise, you would never date if you didn't desire it, right? So there, there has to be some intrinsic desire, purpose, passion, motivation, desire to change. I think there has to be a target. Yeah, if yeah, you don't have a target, yeah. yeah, you know, you're not going to be motivated to get there because there isn't a there to get to. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I, one thing I believe that there's so much power in the prophetic because sometimes the prophetic causes us to see something we couldn't see before mm -hmm. and it's... Uh, or an encounter with the Lord. The Lord speaks something to us, or we have those aha moments with the Lord, and now something's dropped in our spirit that we didn't have before. And that gives us the grace, which is the ability, yeah. which is the motivation to make steps forward. So I could keep on talking, so I'll let you guys talk. Well, your answer was kind of like a long way of saying, I can't relate to this question. <laughs> You just have to be motivated. Yeah. Because I'm so motivated. Yeah. Now let's ask the people that struggle with this, okay? I mean, for me, like I could um, 
there could just be a surface like you're just lazy and like personally, I don't handle laziness very well. Mm. Um, but I will ask, you, you know, just have offended the person who asked that question. <laughs> well, it doesn't I'm say joking. that they're lazy. It, so where I'm, where I'm going with this is, you know, is there a deeper source to your lack of motivation? Like, um, you know, are you afraid? Is there fear there? I've recognized that pro- procrastination sometimes can be fear-based. Yeah. Um, and so just a real life example, right now I have uh, an insurance policy that needs attention on my desk that's like 300 pages thick and I don't want to do it. It's it's um, It keeps getting pushed off and I haven't reached the deadline, so I'm still okay. But um, why do I want to keep putting that off? Mm-hmm. Well, one, because it's not my strong suit. So maybe you have a lack of motivation because it's not your area that you're, you thrive at. It's not easy for you. It's hard. And so you just keep pushing it off. That might be a reason why you're lacking motivation. And so either you got to decide this actually isn't my lane, or if you have to do it, then you're going to have to figure out some approach, focus on your strengths. Okay. What am I good at? I'm good at asking questions. So for me in this insurance policy, I'm going to have to call and I'm going to have to ask questions. I know I can do that. I know I'm good at that. That might help me to tackle that. So focusing on not what I'm not good at, but what I am good at, um, can, can help you practically. Um, That is really powerful, Katie, because here I am a very motivated person, but when I have a task that is completely out of my lane, Not only do I want to procrastinate, but while I'm doing it, I feel anxiety. Exactly. Because I know I'm not good at this. I can mess it up very, very quickly. And if it's a very important thing that I have to do, I don't want to mess it up. Well, I mean, and I'm going back to this as a natural example, but this is a 300-page policy. I have the attention span of a squirrel sometimes and it's hard to focus on one paragraph. So when I'm looking at this stack, I'm going, oh, like, no, I I have to deal with this. So again, focusing on my strength of, I can ask questions. I know I can do that. So if I focus on the strength, that's going to help me take this task off of my list. And I know this is a very simple example I'm giving, but this applies to any area. If you can focus on what you're actually good at, if it's something you do have to do, um, take the, take the step, take one step at a time. The next thing is you just have to choose. I actually have to make the phone call, (laughs) um, being really intentional about it. I know we've talked before about what is it eating the frog or eat that frog, eat that frog. It's like, sometimes you just have to first thing in the morning, just get it done. (laughs) Do the thing that you don't want to do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think another deeper reason if you are, if the source of your motivation or your lack of motivation is like you're in a depression, um, you don't have hope for the future in that area, Mm, then you're not going to have motivation. And the Bible says that um, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes or returns, it's a tree of life. Um, And if you look up that word desire, it basically means when you get what you want. Like it's not like this big holy definition. It's just... But when you get what you want, the desire comes back. You're, you have um, motivation again. And so that just might mean um, in that area, you're not seeing fruit. It's it's become a dead area for you. Um, and so focusing on what you have, focusing on um, what you love um, and, and kind of stirring some hope up again for the future. Like if, if I do this, then what, is going to be the outcome. Well, if your only perspective is that nothing's going to change, 
oh, it's not going to help. It's not, well, why reach for this goal if I'm just going to be let down again? I'm just going to be disappointed again. Well, if that is your approach, which listen, I understand. Um, we, we've all been there. But if that's if that's how you're looking at it, then you're not going to have motivation because you don't see a future um, and hope always deals with future. And so looking to say, okay, and, and ask the Holy Spirit for help. Um, show me something good in my future. Give me a target. Give me something to work towards. Uh, that might really help you to, to shift into, tap into just even maybe a spark of motivation. Um, and as you continue, you know, that's going to fan the flame. So as you were talking, I was thinking about, you're kind of saying that a lack of motivation is more of a symptom than yeah, a sickness. I believe, mm-hmm. yes. And so you kind of like pose the thought, are you sad? Are you upset? Are you hurt? Are you hopeless? Are you discouraged? Yeah. And so maybe instead of dealing with the fact that you lack motivation, maybe find healing in those areas. And then once that's resolved, there will be a new level of motivation. Mm -hmm. I will also add uh, to this question, how do you deal with a lack of motivation? Simple, follow Jesus. (laughs) So each and every day, lean into the leading of the Holy Spirit. Uh, this verse really stuck out to me. Uh, actually, this morning, it's in John 5, but this is Jesus. Uh, so there was this person that was crippled for, it said, 38 years. This is in John 5. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Talk wow. about lack of motivation. Yeah. What that wow. that question is like so piercing from Jesus. Wow. Do you want to get well? And then in verse seven it says, Sir, I have no one to help me. So he's shifting, right? Oh, this is I have good. no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else, man, can you believe it? Someone else gets in there before me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once a man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. So how do we deal with lack of motivation? Follow Jesus. What do you have for me today, Lord? Where are you leading me today? So good. And so we can get stuck in, I think sometimes we lack motivation because well, this person got there before me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, look at what what's happening in this person's life, or the disappointment of exactly. I've tried before, it didn't work. Yeah, I don't want to do that again. And Jesus says, "Do you want to be free? Do you want to get well?" Thank and He you. says, "Get up, pick up your mat, and walk." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. With that, I'm also thinking of the par or not the parable, but when um, Peter, they were out fishing all night, they came back, they had nothing. Jesus said, go back out, cast your nets. Peter goes, we've been, we've been at this mm-hmm. all night. Yeah. We don't, we're not motivated anymore. But he says, but at your word, I will do it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just really good. And I, I love that because it's such a practical thing. It's such a natural thing for Jesus to tell that man, just mm-hmm. get up and walk. He didn't say, you know, go do this big course of action. He just, well, just get up. And sometimes I think we try to take on the whole thing 
And when we do, when we are sensitive to the Holy Spirit, um, we can just hear him say, hey, just get up and walk today. Like that's all you need to do. You don't need to try to go to step 100. I'm just asking for step one today. Um, And just recognizing that he does speak to us that way. He actually leads us one step at a time in the right direction. Um, And so he might say, hey, um, you know, just cast your net again. Just just go to work. (laughs) He might say, hey, just go to work. That's all I want you to do today. And the power is in our obedience. It's not in the spectacular or this like pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. No, it's in our mm-hmm. our obedience to him saying, hey, I just want you to go to work today. <laughs> that's the right thing for you to do because that's the thing that he's asking of you. Yeah, that that's so good. When you hear the voice of God, yes, it is the most freeing thing. Yes. Well, when you hear and obey the voice of God, it's yeah. the most freeing thing that you'll ever encounter. So when you hear his voice, it actually breaks us or frees us from our current state. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, do you want to be well? Mm-hmm. And then he goes off yeah. into his tangent and he said, no, get up. Yeah. Get up and walk. And so the simple answer is, like I said, simple, not always easy when you're dealing with emotions and and you know, difficulties, yeah. but hear his voice, obey it. And all his difficulties were facts. It was yeah. reality. Mm-hmm. It wasn't fantasy. It wasn't his imagination. It was a fact. He could not walk. Mm-hmm. He's been there for 38 years. These things happened. But when God spoke, the power. Well, that goes to back to our that. last question. Are thoughts powerful? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because even Jesus said, do you want to get well? Yeah, Jesus yeah. planted that thought. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, he reminded him of a target too. Like, yeah. you, there is a future here. Yeah. yeah. Do you want it? Yeah. Um, because if you do, here's what, here's how you get there. Yeah, so. your moment is now. Yeah. And his faith went from seeing himself in a hopeless situation to trusting in Jesus. Mm-hmm. He looked to Jesus. He mm-hmm. couldn't do it. Yeah. But when he looked to Jesus and he heard his voice, I mean, that's that's really powerful. Wow. I think that answers every aspect of that question, that story. That's so Every good. aspect. I don't know if it's every aspect, but <laughs> 99.9. Oh, I've got all kinds of practical things, but all these practical things don't hold a candle <laughs> to just Follow really dissecting Jesus. that scripture. I think we could say that just... Beginning and end every episode, just follow Well, Jesus. actually, the, our, our answer to this question really flows into the next question about following Jesus, doesn't it? Oh, nice segue. It? Yeah. Go. Good yep, job, that's right. professional. You here. like that. <laughs> All right. Well, this question, um, I did simplify it a bit from how it was asked, um, but I hope that I got the gist of what you were asking. But um I'm just going to read it first. It says, though we are always gaining new levels of healing, how can we learn to simply receive from Jesus where we are and pursuing him rather than pursuing another level of self-growth? So basically, we're always talking about self-growth around here um, and in the world. Um, But when should we just rely on Jesus instead of trying to just always pursue new levels of growth? I would say very, very simply, if we're pursuing him, we're already growing. Yeah. It's, it's not by our works. Uh, rest is not a place of in, inactivity. Rest is a, a condition of the soul. 
that gives us the ability and the grace to follow Jesus. So if if I'm moving towards truth, I'm growing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's impossible not to grow and advance, become more healed and whole, whatever it is that is the goals and the directives of our life. Um, if we're following him, we're going to find it. Yeah. You know, I just thought about Mary and, you know, we know the story of Mary and Martha where mm-hmm. uh, Martha was doing and Mary was at Jesus' feet. Um But I was just thinking, you know, Mary, it's not like she was inactive. She was actually a very active follower of Jesus. Um, She did a lot (laughs) for the kingdom. Um, But in that moment, Mm -hmm. Jesus says, she recognizes that this is a moment to be at my feet. And Mm -hmm. that's the most important thing. And so again, it's following Jesus of um, when we recognize that this is my moment of just being with him. We are, that is growing us. That is a hundred percent because the more you look at him, the more you become like him. Um, and then there were other times where she, she she wasn't at his feet and she was active and about his business. Um, so following the leading of the Lord. I, I also, when I got this question, I was thinking of um, gardening because I'm a gardener, but I was thinking of seeds and how the seed the seed's purpose is always growth. Like it, it is always holding the potential for growth. But in the process, there is a period of time where that seeds is, is under the ground. It's being nurtured. It's resting. Um, it's quiet. It's, it's just in the ground. Uh, it's developing that way. And then there's a season where that seed cracks open and it's doing a lot of work and it's growing and it's submitting to the process of growth and it's bearing fruit. Um, it's, it's growing fruit in its life. Um, and then there's a process of harvest where we get to enjoy the, the benefit of a previous season. And so I guess that's my approach to this question is there are seasons. There are, there are seasons where we are resting and this could be very, you could be resting in one area and working in another area of your life. Your life is very dynamic. Um, but there could be seasons of rest. There are seasons where we're putting in extra focus, extra attention on growing fruit in our life, um, on changing, on, you know, all the things, <laughs> on, grow- on growing, on um, nourishment. Uh, and then there are times where we're just enjoying the fruit of our labor. It's a time for fun. It's a, it's a season for uh, enjoyment. And I think those things are always happening in different areas of our life. But um, I don't know. It's just being aware, being aware of where you're at, following your grace. If you feel a grace in an area, follow it. If you don't, if you feel like you're up against a brick wall, maybe don't follow that area of self-growth at the moment. Um, That's okay. (laughs) You don't have to take on every area of your life all at once. Um, So just follow your grace. I think the way that I took this or how I perceived it, and if I perceived it wrongly, sorry. Um, but how I perceived it was, I think sometimes um, when when you talk, when people talk about, okay, following God or self-growth or, um, y- you know, self-improvement or wh- whatever word you want to use, I feel like people put it in, well, this is a spiritual thing. This is the natural thing. Mm. And... I, I was thinking of that example where I, th- 
I forget who it was, but they had leprosy and they went to the prophet and mm. they said, go down to the river and dip seven times. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking that person's like, can't you just do the prophet thing right now and just <laughs> lay hands on me? And then yeah. they can he all... He wasn't thrilled about that. No, he wasn't very happy about it. Like, can you just do this thing? And what does it even have to do with going down to the river? This is very yeah. uh, un- unorthodox yeah, or it's yeah. it's not normal. And and it seemed... What does dipping in water have to do with... And it seemed beneath him. Yeah. 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 And so I, I think sometimes people um, separate something as being too natural and, or something being spiritual. And I think they're they're very, they're intertwined together. And this is, if you know me, this is like one of my favorite scriptures, but it's John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And I think sometimes people, when they read life, they think, oh, that's just life in some distant future, or or it's only that spiritual life. But that that word life is life all-encompassing. Mm-hmm. It, it deals with our spiritual life. It deals with our natural life. It deals with our sleeping, our eating, our planning, our playing in every aspect of our life. He has come to give us life and life more abundantly. So this goes back to actually a previous point that I made in in another episode, but um, I talked about how I I don't order my life in terms of a hierarchy of value. Like I was, I I like the Chiefs and and Mm -hmm. I listened to, I'm such a fan that I listened to the press conferences at a training camp, but you know, one one of the players was like, it's God, family, and football. And I just kind of had to laugh a little bit. Um, and so a lot of people live their life, you know, God at the top, family, and then this, or what, maybe for someone it's ministry or whatever. But for me, I hold one value, and that is Christ. And everything that pertains to my life revolves around that one value. Okay. So there might be times because I'm following his lead, there are things that he pulls into focus Mm -hmm. and he takes out of focus. And so there might be times in your life, if Jesus is the center of it, that it's going to be an spiritual awakening in your life. But then it might be a season where you're growing in the practical things of life. Mm -hmm getting your house in order or whatever it may be. And so that's how I view, or that's how I try to order my life, not just this hierarchy, but say, no, Christ is the center. He's the one that I follow. He's the one that I cling to. He's the one that I focus on. And then everything in my life revolves around that. And so that there are times where family's really in the forefront and other times, maybe it's ministry or whatever it is. Maybe it's the chiefs when the chiefs are on that's at the <laughs> forefront. Uh, you know, that that's when we the Lord says, do you want to pray events. when uh, the chiefs are on? Kind of. <laughs> you use that illustration and I was thinking about, uh, he was having a problem dipping into the water and a young servant girl said, if the prophet yeah. told you to do this big thing, this yeah. difficult thing, this you, spiritual yeah, thing, yeah. you would have done it. 
Yeah. But this simple little thing you're having a problem with. <laughs> and I think sometimes we think we have to do this big, major thing for our life to change or for us to advance or us to develop or us to be healed or us to go to a new level. And it has to be this big dynamic thing uh, when in actuality, it just might be that simple moment of resting in God and resting doesn't mean inactivity once again, but it's just, it's not by my works of righteousness, mm -hmm. but it's according to his mercy. It's according to his grace. It's according to his love. And so if I am positioned in him following Jesus, mm -hmm. then the fact is, uh, I don't have to do this big mighty thing. And I know for one thing about me, I grew up in a culture where work ethic was a very, very, very big deal. So you have this thing, if I'm going to obtain anything of value, I have to work my butt off. You know, I have to sacrifice. It has to hurt. You know, I have to suffer in this process. Like I've got a, you know, pioneering, okay, you pay the highest price and you do all these things and it has to be so big and so great and so powerful and so completely out of the box when in actuality, it could be just a simple thing of saying, yes, Lord. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Yeah. And that's growth. And I've, I've got stories of encounters with the Lord where it was simply just choosing him. Mm -hmm. He didn't want me to do anything, but just to rest. Yeah. Yeah. So the life that he came to provide that life more abundantly, it's all encompassing. Mm -hmm. It's in every aspect of her life. So um, like I said, when I read this question, I, I felt like there was like, well, this is a, the more spiritual thing. And then this is maybe more our own natural effort or whatever. But I would say all of it's intertwined if mm -hmm. Christ is the center. And then as through his leading, he brings things in and out of focus in our right. life. Whatever we do in word or deed, just do it unto him, even if it doesn't seem spiritual, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, I assume it's David, but in the Psalms, it says, search me and know me, God. Mm -hmm. um, and I just think if we if we live with that posturing, you know, search my heart, God, if there's an area that I need to work on, I want you to to um, call that out because I know you, you'll give me the grace to grow in that area or to change in that area um, and, and know me, know me know every part about me. Uh, and so whether that is my waking up, my laying down, whatever part, the natural parts, the the innermost parts, uh, whatever parts, God, I submit to you first and foremost, uh, just following the goodness of a good father uh, to lead your life in a good direction. That kind of takes the pressure off, kind of takes the the even the comparison off of, oh, I have to be improving X, Y, and Z all the time. Well, Maybe, but maybe not. Um, just let him lead you in that. So, so I hope we answered. I think your we questioner, did. Sweet listener, question. Did I say questioner? <laughs> I hope we answered your questioner. The, the I think questionist or like mentee questionee. Yeah, this is not a word, but <laughs> hope that was helpful. And we got four questions we in, guys. We did in less than an hour. So I'm proud of us. Yeah. No promises for next time, but 
Um, all right. Just a reminder, uh, you can give us your feedback or send in your questions to Life Exchange Podcast at Yeah, sending in your questions com. really does help. It does help us. Yeah. yeah. We want to know what you guys want to know uh, and we will do our best to respond. Um, and we can solve the world's problems together. That's what <laughs> we often say, Joel and I, when we're in these meetings. And we then just we're like, had well, an hour-long meeting and it's like... We uh, solved the world's problems today. Yep. <laughs> Um, but all right. Well, that's all we got for you today. So we'll see you guys next time. With more conversation on topics of life and leadership until next time, be sure to check out our website at givinglight.org where you can learn more about our church and access loads of resources to help you grow in your walk with God and people. If you like what you heard today, we'd be grateful if you would leave a five-star review and share with your friends. Be blessed. Remember to shine your light and have a great week. Thank you.